All right, thank you all. Can you hear me okay? All right, great. Thank you for that kind introduction. I'm excited to finally be here at the open table. I have been hearing a lot about your wonderful community for months. I've been hearing about Nick for like two years, and we just met tonight, which is kind of wild. But as I said, my name is Tara Raghavir. My pronouns are she and her. I grew up in Kansas City on the Kansas side of the state line. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a whole other complicated story, but I went away for a long time. I started studying housing in school, and then I came back my senior year of college, and I wanted to study evictions in Kansas City. And I had grown up in this white, wealthy bubble in Johnson County, and my family was neither white nor wealthy, but that was the world that I knew. And then when I came back here to study evictions, I discovered that that was not the whole story in Kansas City, and I started interacting with the first other people of color and first like poor and working-class folks that I had really ever known in my own hometown. That was a very jarring experience. Um, a couple quick anecdotes, like one, I met this couple, Chuck and Ivy, at the McDonald's by my house, uh, one of my first interviews when I was studying evictions. And Chuck and Ivy were 85 and 83, and they survived off of Chuck's Social Security and veterans' benefits. And I met them in December, and they were being evicted from their trailer home and they didn't have anywhere to go or anyone to turn to. And I, uh, once I talked to them, uh, they were like, Ivy was suffering with some dementia. And during our conversation, she said something along the lines of, it's okay, honey, we'll sleep in our car. And I left that conversation. Of course, I had like known about homelessness. I knew about homelessness in Kansas City. But after meeting two people who had done everything right in life, had done really nothing wrong, had just been priced out of their mobile home park and were facing sleeping in their car at age 80, and 83 in December, my mind was like blown open. I couldn't believe it was happening in my hometown. I couldn't believe I met them at this McDonald's that I used to drive by every Sunday when I went to volunteer at the desk at Children's Mercy. Everything about it just like kept me up at night. The flip side of that was that my mom told me that the neighbor across the street was a landlord. So she was like, well, you should talk to him for some of your landlord interviews. Talk to him. And then he offered to take me around to some of his properties in town. And I very quickly discovered that he was a slumlord. He was very proud of the work that he was doing. And he told me a story before we went and saw his properties that was about him doing a service for the community and taking care of those people who no one else would take in. And then I went and saw the conditions that he was having humans live in, and I was horrified. And he walked me into their units without knocking, and he disparaged his tenants in front of me, and he showed me the pistol that he uses to threaten people to get them out when they're behind on rent. That ain't right. That ain't right. And I was sick to my stomach. So I was, like, sick because of Chuck and Ivy. I was sick because of my neighbor who I'd known since I was 12. I started realizing that some of the people I grew up around in Johnson County quite literally made their money off the backs of other people in our hometown, and I was horrified. So it went from this, like, thing that I was interested in intellectually into a thing that I felt really deeply in my guts and haven't stopped thinking about it since. So that was like six years ago. I lived in Chicago and I was an organizer for about five years. And then finally, about this time last year, I felt like a boot on my neck. That was like nothing. I'd been coming back to Kansas City for like two years to talk to people about my eviction research and nothing had happened. And it felt pretty problematic that I was like the face of evictions in Kansas City. I grew up in Johnson County and have never been evicted, luckily. Right. So the thing that was clear to me as an organizer is that what we needed to do was organize people directly impacted by this problem um, who have their own voices to speak with their own voices and insert themselves into the conversation. So who we are, Casey Tennant. Sorry, I'm speaking fast. B's the real 
thing to see here. Like B is the one with all the talent, and I'll get to that in a second. So the basics on Casey Tenens, we are an intentionally multiracial, anti-racist, multi-generational organization of working class and poor tenants, but really organizing across class lines. We like to take a second in our meetings, and this space is kind of like this too, to like pause and look around and understand that the space that we occupy in our meetings doesn't look like a lot of spaces in Kansas City, and that's by design. The other side wants us to be divided and treat each other like the enemy, and that's how they keep us down. So in our spaces, we think our differences are our strength. Casey Tenants is a leader-led organization. That's kind of funny, but it's a funny phrase. Um, but what, what we mean by that is, like, I'm the director of Kansas City Tenants, but I don't make actually any of the strategic decisions about what we do. All of the decisions are made in our weekly meetings by our general tenant meeting or by a strategy team that's basically been selected from the general group. That's very important to us because we believe that the people closest to the problems are the closest to the solutions, and we try to practice that in every single thing that we do, whether it's hard or not. KC Tenants is also a group of organizers, so we have these weekly meetings, but we don't just sit around swapping stories, although that could fill all of our time. Uh, We believe in organizing. We believe in moving our values into the streets. So to us, organizing is relational. This is kind of the spiel I give at every meeting. So Maya's smiling at me. She could do the spiel as as well as I can at this point. But organizing is relational. To to us, what that means is like the other side has access. They have power. They have privilege. Um, We have people. We have more people than them, but that only means anything if we're in really deep relationship with one another. There's a lot of forms of organizing that are hyper-transactional. That is not what we do at KC Tenants. We are like there for one another. We help our comrades move when they need it. We drive people places whenever they need a ride. And the deepest part of this is like we all um, have taken the time to get to know one another's self-interest. What's the reason that like we have found ourselves in that space? Even if, you know, I myself have never faced housing insecurity in a traditional sense, I have a story about housing insecurity and safety in my home and power. And that's the stuff that brings me into the room. And I think most of the folks in our space know that about me, which only makes us stronger as a collective. To us, organizing is about identifying mutual interest. So there are a lot of different reasons that we find ourselves in shared space. But our project in that space is to figure out what we're there to do together. And that's what we do in every single meeting that we have every week. To us, organizing is about taking collective and direct action. So again, instead of just sitting around and kind of complaining about the world as it is, we take action to build the world as it should be. And we take the crisis that we're facing throughout the community to its creators. Um, And that's fun. And that's part of the art of what we do, which I'll talk about in just a sec. And to us, fundamentally, organizing is about creating the conditions to change what's possible. And what we mean by that is that it can often feel inevitable that poor and working class people and people of color won't have a place in Kansas City in four years or eight years or even right now. Um, It can feel inevitable that hundreds of millions of our tax dollars and public school dollars and public library dollars will go to fund another luxury hotel downtown or another parking garage. It can feel inevitable that fancy coffee shops and um, frozen yogurt shops will displace communities that have lived in their neighborhoods forever. But actually what we know is that none of that is inevitable. That's just one set of possibilities. And organizing is about ensuring that our future in this community is the inevitability versus the track that we're on right now. Yeah. Yeah.
Um, so the backstory, like we started organizing in February, February 17th. We had our first meeting on a Sunday. There were 12 people there. The next week we had 35 people there. And every week since then we've had like 55, 60 people at every meeting. Two weeks ago we had 250 people out with us in the snow at our rally to win our tenant bill of rights. Um, and it's not just numbers. We also have built this incredible depth of leadership in our base that honestly makes me like emotional to think about and tell you about tonight. I'll tell you one story. Uh, there's a leader named Tanya who my folks over here know. She's amazing. Uh, she met us for the first time on the City Hall steps on March 4th. Um, it was our first big rally. There were like 90 of us out there. It was, again, bitterly cold. We really know how to pick these days. It was so, so cold. And Tanya had been invited by one of our leaders named Lorenzo. And Lorenzo and Tanya had been friends for a really long time. They hadn't realized until um, like a week before our rally that both of them were experiencing homelessness. They both work three jobs. Lorenzo works like 20 hours a day um, and barely sleeps, of course, or does anything else in his life. But neither of them had known that the other was homeless because they're part of this kind of invisible homeless community that aren't necessarily on the streets, but are living in their cars or sleeping other places or sleeping on couches, and they're working. And both of them happen to have these like indefatigable spirits that you would never, if you encountered them, understand that anything was wrong. So they had finally like come out to one another as people experiencing homelessness. And Lorenzo had been like, hey, I just went to this meeting. You should come with me on Monday to this rally. And so they came to the rally, and Tanya was on the steps with us. And months later, when she finally let me sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her, she told me that that day on the steps, she was angry, angry at herself because she had never understood until standing on the steps with us that day that she could stand up and do something about all the stuff that had been thrown her way, right? And then after that March 4th rally, she was at every single meeting, every single city council forum, every single mayoral forum, every single action that we did with a bullhorn in her hand, recording everything on Facebook Live for her community. Then in the spring at one of these events, there was a reporter afterwards who came up and talked to her about her story, and she gave him a quote. And then she found me afterwards, and she was like, I think I just spoke to someone at the New York Times. And I was like, the New York Times? This is like a third district city council forum. Like, there's no way. And then I found out that actually, yes, like, there's this reporter who writes on race for the New York Times who's based here. His name's John. He's great. He's now a friend. But he had been there and had been interested in telling Tanya's story. So two weeks later, her story was in the New York Times in an article about, like, the neighborhood downtown divide in Kansas City. And then a week after that, Tanya voted for the first time in her life in our general election uh, because she finally felt like there was something relevant for her to vote on. She had always correctly assumed that the system was not built for her until she became a leader with Casey Tenants. She cast her first vote at age 48. Then the next day was the day of the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings on reparations, where Representative Sheila Jackson Lee from Texas wrote, read Tanya's words from the New York Times out loud at that hearing. And I called Tanya, and I wish I had that recording because it was like the most incredible conversation of my life, uh, where Tanya was basically like, I never thought I was worth anything until I joined this organization, and now I feel like I have so much power. Um, and just the other week, she spoke at our rally, and she's 
still experiencing homelessness. It's not over for her. And But she stood up there proud, and she told her story, and then she testified to the city council last week to win our Tenant Bill of Rights. And when I messaged her afterwards, all she had to say was, I feel liberated. So that's a story, I think, about uh, or a very good illustration of, like, our work and our power. It's not just numbers. It's, like, this kind of depth of leadership. And I could tell Tanya's story, like, 45 times over from our base, including some of the people who are in this room tonight, like Maya um, and some folks who are part of your community. So we're working on a Tenant Bill of Rights. Uh, one thing I want to be sure not to forget is this Wednesday is critically important to us. We have spent months writing a Tenant Bill of Rights, and it's like the folks in our base have written this. Um, they have written their rights into existence. We've recruited a legal team. We've introduced an ordinance and a resolution that the mayor has sponsored, and it's sitting in the Housing Committee. And we had a meeting last Wednesday that was incredible, and we had such an amazing presence, and our leaders told really powerful stories, and it got held in committee which is fine. We didn't lose, but we have to go back and do the same thing again this Wednesday. The thing that's happened in the meantime, though, is that the landlords have gotten really angry, and they're lying about what's in our bill, um, and they're misrepresenting willfully like what's in there, and they're using it to rile up their base. Um, and it's easier for them to organize. They're people of privilege. They're people with emails. They're people who have cars. They're people who can leave their work. They're people who don't need childcare in order to make it to a 4 p.m. meeting. So it's giving us a lot of like good tension because we have to do double the work for half the result, right? Um, and we already know they've got meetings with people that they can demand on the same day that we have to work for two weeks to get on the books. So my ask of all of you is if you are all at, uh, at all moved by this story about Casey Tennant's, by Tanya's story, by anything that you hear the rest of the night, I really want to urge you to come out on Wednesday. Could not be more critical at this moment to make sure that the city council feels the pressure to pass our Bill of Rights out of the Housing Committee and vote yes in the full council. Wear yellow, wear Casey Tennant's gear if you have it. We'll have pins and stuff like that, but we could really use your support. Uh, 4 p.m. Wednesday, but get there early because the landlords are. We'll have people there starting at 9. City Hall, downtown, 26th floor. We don't mess around. <laughs> okay, final thing I have to say before I hand it over to the main attraction, B, is that I think uh, using art for organizing is so critically important. I'm obsessed with art-based organizing. As you can tell from all the yellow shirts, I spent... Um, too much time probably obsessing over like what our brand would be but I think not uh, I don't think that was a bad investment of my time like who here has seen us out in the world and shout out some words that you associate with like yellow and bulls now powerful. Yeah. yeah all right that's the only word that we need to hear so powerful <laughs> So our, our branding, I did not do it. I talked to a friend who's from Kansas City, and I told her, I was like, I'm obsessed with like Black Pan Panther Party art, which you can probably see in the visual here. But it's like unapologetic and bold and of a radical tradition. So I want something like that, but like speaks to the Midwest and like what we're about here. And yeah, anyway, so... There's this gorgeous brand. Um, we also think of our stories as like artful. So when you hear our folks give testimony, they've spent hours actually preparing that testimony. And we consider that part of our art. And then we get to do fun art stuff like in action. We have this whole group called Counter Agency that Julia Cole and a bunch of people run um, that does amazing artwork for our actions. We did like street theater in the spring. It was great. And uh, while I am obsessed with 
art as a form of organizing, I have almost no skills to bring to bear. So we are very lucky that we have met friends and comrades like B, B's partner Mars, and many of their friends who have an extraordinary amount of skill. Um, If you've seen any beautiful image, it was probably taken by B or Jeremy, who I saw. Yeah, Um, we have, yeah, plenty of people who have lent their skills, and B is definitely one of them. So I'll hand it over. Thank you so much. Before you play the video, can you raise your hand if you rent right now in Kansas City? Yeah, look around how many people that is in here, just in this room alone. I came into KC Tenants in July, June, July, like right before the mayoral election and made this video for KC Tenants. And we got hired in to come and do it. And the second I went to that first meeting, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, I was one of those people, Tara talks about these people all the time that get angry when they go and they see KC tenants people talking and like talking about the issues and all the things that are going wrong and be like why did I not realize that this was happening to me the whole time and yeah that's just why we've stayed why I've continued to be a part of this fight because it is very important Um, unlike what Tara just said about people spending hours preparing their speech I am not the person who stands in front of anything I'm always behind if you see a picture of me doing Casey Tennant stuff it's very rare and it's my friend that took a picture of me to make sure that there was a picture of me doing this but with that said we can watch this video that we made in it you're gonna see Tara talked about we did some street theater back in the summer we did some interviews with some of the leaders in Casey Tennant's and then various other things Um, I think the council forum that we had was in there and this video was just like a campaign for Casey tenants in the election since it was a very powerful election and a very moving for a lot of people to get a lot of people involved. I feel like that's all I need to say is just that video. <laughs> just, it's over now. My favorite thing about that video is that I made that before I was even like completely involved with Casey tenants and I, you can still feel the power and like all the people and how much energy and love there is within that community and I was telling Maddie when I got here that I wish this would happen like this event in like three weeks or like a month or something because we're working on a new video and now that I've been more involved like having actual people's stories and like a lot more characters because a lot of the people that were talking in that were city council people and we don't really care about them that much. <laughs> what we care about is our people and I think that's the what excites me the most is giving those people the opportunity to tell their stories because you you can hear things all the time about like you know people living with rats or living with mold or like all these different conditions but when you actually see the people telling you that story and you can see the look on their face of like how detrimental that is to not their health but just their morality and you can look in their eyes and see that makes you feel something and that makes you want to go into action and that's what I love about what I get to do is showing those people's faces and representing those people and letting them say their words because we all know that our communities don't get that enough as being just the organization that we are and the type of people that we are like we're not given the mic very often and so I bought my own mic I said here we go we're gonna do this ourselves and scrolling through some pictures here that we have yeah what is what does that video make you feel how do you feel when you see have any of you seen that video before if you raise your hand I'm just curious of like Can you feel the energy in that? 
Yes, that's that's the best thing. I think I noticed that when I talked to a lot of people about KC tenants and doing interviews that we've been doing with in our base the past few weeks of why do you come back to KC tenants? And every answer is like almost identical with saying like we feel that love and the people that you talk to and that energy and you want to come back and be there for each other. And I try my best to represent that and show our humanity because we don't get shown that very often. Yeah, do you guys have questions for me or Tara or anyone else? Yeah, so besides the vote on Wednesday, you know, what else is being done, could be done? Um, those of us who are not in this situation, but besides showing up on Wednesday, what would be some other things we could do to help support this? Okay, a couple things. You should definitely come on Wednesday first and foremost. Um, if you live in Kansas City, Missouri, and even if you don't, you can also support the Tenant Bill of Rights by writing an email or giving a call to your city council person or to a city council person or to the mayor um, to encourage them to vote yes. Uh, we just did an updated vote count today, and we're cutting it kind of close. We need seven votes to win, and we need three votes to get this out of committee. So if you want to talk about who specifically to send notes to, come up and see me or any of the folks in yellow shirts afterwards and we'll tell you um, who do you who to write your notes to if you are more interested in just like giving a donation or something we have a donate link on our website it's caseytenants.org slash donate if you donate the stuff that helps to pay for is our staff we have organizers on staff because we actually believe in investing and organizing you can't build a community like this without paying organizers and also paying them a living wage is very important um, also we use our money to pay for things like the art products that B and B's um, like collective makes for us, right? B has lent a lot of talent to us um, for no cost, uh, like all the images that you see. But for the video products that we know take like hours and hours and hours, we want to be good to the artists in our community and also pay them for their work. Those are the big things, I think. Oh, yeah. We also have a solidarity letter for the for the Tenant Bill of Rights, and it's the link is bit, B-I-T dot Lee, L-Y, slash, capital I-N-D, capital S, solidarity. Yeah, it's on Instagram. It's in our bio. You can find it, or just come find us afterwards, and I'll tell you. And that's just if you want to sign up as an individual to say, hey, I'm me. I support the Bill of Rights. Specifically with KC tenants or just in general? In general or with KC tenants, either or. All your dreams. Um, <laughs> I think I, I started getting it because originally, like, I've been a photographer for basically my entire life and then through school got into filmmaking because I realized that people can talk in videos and they can, like, you can express a lot more. Like, photos, you know, you can look at this and there's a lot going on there, but, you know, if this was a video, you could hear the man in the middle, Gaddafi, like saying his testimony or something like that. Like that feels a lot more powerful to me. There's a lot of weight, and I've been having this conversation with my partner a lot recently about the kinds of work that I've been really invested in. The the way I'm finding those are through videos on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Just those really consumable like information, but they're beautifully created. They're not just like 
I'm gonna refrain myself from like shit talking on movies because I will go down that rabbit hole for a minute and it's not what we're doing here. What was your question again? Ask it again. Why video? Um, why would you pick, why do you pick video as a way to tell the stories you tell instead of another art medium? Because it makes the most sense, I think would be my plainest answer. Being an artist, you just you see what the project is and what medium does it need to be tell, told in. Yeah, we could make a really powerful painting about you know somebody with their fist up, had the Casey Tennant shirt on, but you can't hear their story. And you could read it, but we know a lot of people don't spend the time to read a story on Facebook or something, but they'll sit there and watch a three, four, or five-minute video and really hear their voice. And like I was saying earlier, like see that expression on their face. I have some videos that at our most recent rally, one of the, our leaders spoke, and being in that moment, it was already impactful, but watching that back and like seeing her reaction because I have such a tight angle on her face like gave me chills and made me like tear up a little just to hear that speech, just really that emotional connection that like you're actually sitting in a room and talking to that person, and I think that's the closest we can get to in this current environment. Thank you. Um, can you help me or some of us understand what you're looking to do more specifically legislatively? The Bill of Rights has had called for specific changes in the law, or is that going to be separate? Could you describe that a little bit, please? Yeah, sure. So our Bill of Rights package has three parts. Um, there's a resolution, which is just the Bill of Rights. So there's no place in Kansas City currently as a renter where I could Google, I'm a renter in Kansas City, what are my rights? And the city would tell me, here are all your rights by state and city code. So what we're trying to do is just pass a resolution that is the Bill of Rights. All your rights are compiled in one place. Many of those actually already exist in the law, but they're not enforced. And because tenants don't know about them, the tenants can seek accountability on their own. That's the first part. The second part, it, part is this pretty hefty ordinance, which makes amendments to a bunch of existing city policies. So there's a program called Healthy Homes. That's the one program in the city that allows the city to rescind a landlord's license if they mess up. But their jurisdiction is limited to just health-related complaints. Um, and it's also completely complaint-based, so it puts all the burden on the tenant to bring a complaint to the health department. What we're trying to do, actually what we wanted to do had nothing to do with the health department, had nothing to do with any existing department, but we wanted to establish an office of the tenant advocate, like a consumer protection bureau, basically, for tenants within the city. The mayor's lawyer, unfortunately, tore our proposal up and like left lots of shards on the floor. Um, so that was one of the things that sort of got left behind. But they're putting like a rental housing unit, which we're just going to call the office of the tenant advocate advocate within the health department. So the education piece would live within the housing department. They're going to translate our Bill of Rights into lots of languages, do outreach in the community, make sure that it's out there. And then in the health department, it's going to live that enforcement, but protecting a whole slate of new rights that don't currently exist. So we've added in um, protected classes to the discrimination clause, including, so it already protects against like sex, race, uh, gender discrimination. We're adding in age, gender identity and gender expression, mental and physical ability, arrest and conviction history, eviction history, and source of income to protect people like Section 8 voucher holders or tip workers who don't necessarily have a pay stub to prove that they can live someplace but can. So that's the second major piece. There's also stuff in there about like landlord harassment and notice before entry and um, and utility disclosure so that tenants can know what their utility bill is going to be before they move in a place because that's usually like really prohibitive. 
The last piece of our package that actually didn't get introduced last Thursday is a resolution establishing right to counsel and mediation in eviction court. This is huge for our folks because if we have rights on the books, but we have no one standing next to us in court to actually enforce them, um, that's not very good for us. So this, we think, is like low-hanging fruit for the city. It's just a matter of like allocating the resources, but just a matter for al of allocating the resources. How naive am I, right? Um, we only spend 75% of our budget on fire and police. But anyway, I digress. So that piece got left out. We're trying to get it amended back into the final thing. Thank you.